Hey, Mrs. Harrison, can Cindy come out and play? You have to get, you know, nothing short of an A, only the piano or the violin, no play dates. This is me at the beginning of the journey. Yikes, I guess not. That's Amy Chua talking about the journey of being a tiger mom to her kids and the mixed results it has delivered in her life. We return now to a conversation we've been having about how we measure ourselves against the expectations of others, of parents. Expectations of success, juggling job and family, work and play, well-intentioned but often oppressive notions of having it all. Where do these expectations come from? Having it all is sort of a, a gloss for a fear of missing out on something. And that's where I think a lot of the unhappiness that I see in people who, you know, look like they have it all resides. Maria Young Oak Lee, a mom and novelist on the program yesterday, who told us she grew up always worried about avoiding calamity, reaching for the top, hyper-conscious of being normal or above average. But it's not a set of expectations she wants to pass on. And that's what a lot of parents and kids struggle with. Kids, you better get your act together for college versus mom and dad, chill out. We reached out to Madeline Levine, a psychologist and the author of Teach Your Children Well, Parenting for Authentic Success and the Price of Privilege, How Parental Pressure and Material Advantage are Creating a Generation of Disconnected and Unhappy Kids. Backing off and letting kids discover who they are independent of grades, wins, or trophies, Levine says, is a good approach for all families, regardless of socioeconomic level. Both from my own opinion and from an awful lot of research, there are uh, four factors that have been found to be very important in terms of good outcomes in families, regardless of socioeconomic status. And those four are reliability, availability, consistence, and non-interference. So reliability and availability, that makes sense to everybody, right? It's good to uh, have your kid know that they can count on you. It's good to have um, a consistent sort of uh, program of discipline, and it's very good to be available. Every kid needs to feel loved and that their parents are around for them. The, the surprise one in there is non-interference, and that shouldn't be heard as don't parent or slack off or anything like that, but it has to do with allowing kids sort of to explore their world, obviously not in dangerous ways, um, and to feel that they have a lot of love and support without somebody else sort of hovering over them. Mm. So, you know, those things, I think, work for everybody. Love your kids, support them, be available, and sort of let them grow up. And, you know, in the peer group that, that I'm in and a lot of my friends are in, you know, we hear a lot, my wife and I, uh, from parents who you know, who are worried about this or that's going to happen or are they on track or are they not on track? A lot of what we talk about on this program uh, with adults relates to a sense of being enslaved by expectations. Often I see in parents an approach to parenting that really enshrines, that delivers the message to kids, boy, there are a lot of expectations out there, you guys, and you better measure up. And I'm wondering if that's really a dangerous message right now. Well, I think it is, but it is on two different levels. It's it's dangerous because, look, if anybody says to you over and over and over again, you know, you got to do better, that wasn't so great, you know, you got we expect more of you, that doesn't really add to your sense of competence or self-esteem or anything. And the bigger message is that if you keep telling kids that, 
you know, what happens is some kids try very, very hard to meet those expectations, and some kids can. There's a slim group of kids who can get straight A's and be the captain of the varsity team and go in the summer and build water treatment plants, but that's a very, very small group of kids. And, you know, I sort of feel like adults have a secret that we keep from our children, and, and that secret is that in the real world, when you grow up, uh, you don't have to be great at everything. Um, as a matter of fact, most of us are very good at one or two things, um, uh, very mediocre at a bunch of other things, and probably sub-average in some other ones. So, you know, I enjoy talking to you on the phone. It's easy for me. But I'm in another city, and when I have to go out and find my coffee, it'll take me 20 minutes to get back one block because my visual spatial is terrible. So this notion that kids have and their parents have of almost like the perfect child, you can't get a um, a B, you have to get A's, it, it's totally unrealistic in terms of what adult life demands of kids. You know, it doesn't demand that you be perfect at everything. So you stress a very academically talented group of kids and you absolutely marginalize the rest of them. You know, there's also some danger, it seems to me, in in some of the softer messages. I mean, you're alluding there to the get straight A's or, you know, don't bother coming home kind of thing, which, you know, I associate with my parents sometimes. But I think in this generation, you also get a live your dreams. You know, you can be absolutely anything. A lot of kids, a lot of kids read that as like, oh, my gosh, I better not be eliminating president of the United States since my parents just told me I could be anything. I'm, I'm laughing because I've, you know, I've been out touring and I just came home to my own community yesterday to find that the local paper had a picture of me saying, your kids are not that special. <laughs> and, I, and then I had to give a talk. I was sure I was going to be met by pitchforks, you know. Um, kids can't do everything. You know, part of this is a projection, which is a tough thing to get into. It's a projection on the part of parents. I write books on kids, but if you read between the lines, I'm really writing about the parents. So what about the kid who uh, wants to be an artist? What about the kid who likes to work with their hands? What about the kid who is interested in mechanics? I mean, there's a million things out there that people develop satisfying careers in and are happy about. And so this constant thing, which people would call excellence or rigor, um, I would just call unrealistic and damaging. You know, there's only one person who's going to be president of the United States, and it's probably not your kid. In times of uncertainty, and this is a huge time of uncertainty, and parents, you know, have every reason to be worried about how their kids are going to do. But the skill set that parents are still kind of hammering on, which is metric-based, you know, anything you can measure is good, your, your GPA, your SAT scores, um, those, are, those are the things that parents are focusing on. I have a lot of contact with uh, Silicon Valley CEOs, and um, the message overwhelmingly is uh, what we're missing is a whole bunch of collaborative skills of kids who know how to travel across time zones and across cultures and uh, cooperate, collaborate, be motivated, you know, what we used to call the soft skills and business now calls grit, persistence, and hard work. And in the meantime, 
parents are spending their time worrying about you didn't get a perfect grade on that when really they need to be allowing kids a little bit more movement and a little bit more mistakes so that they do develop innovative skills and collaborative skills. So we're, we have good reason to be concerned, but from everybody I've spoken to, I just came back from Aspen Ideas Festival where I was talking, and, you know, everybody there was talking about this other skill set that's really being ignored in everybody's anxiety about, will my kid get into, you know, the best school? You know, one of the things I'm dying to ask you is, uh, you know, I got five kids. Go. We got a stack. I mean, we got a dumpster full of children's books. I mean, we, we love them all. We, they could fill a dumpster, though. <laughs> and, and there are so many books with this message, and I think it comes from parents as well, that's all about it's okay if you're different. It's okay if you're different. Don't worry if you're different. And I worry that my kids get the message, man, there must be something really bad about being different if there's all these books written saying it's okay to be different. Kids get often the opposite message from what the parents are trying to say over and over again, right? Right. And in a way, it's it's not that complicated. It, I have three sons. They are all incredibly different. So one was this real analytic learner and one was a creative kid. And my kids are, you know, what I call newly minted adults. And so, you know, the analytic kid ended up as a lawyer. That was no great surprise. The creative kid ends up in New York on Broadway, no big surprise. And my youngest one is still in school, and he's a hands-on kid. And the best gift, you know, when we talk together that they feel they ever got from me was the fact that it was perfectly fine to be whoever they were. And I'm a mother and I worry. So I just had a funny conversation with the kid. You know, we call him a waiter, caterer, tutor, actor, director. It's that kind of life. <laughs> and I called him and I was talking to him. I said, because uh, I was worried. And I said, Michael, you love the theater. Have you ever thought about the business side of it? And, you know, he cracked up and he said, you're the lady who says, see the child in front of you. I'm never going to go get an MBA. That's not who I am. And so my task is to tolerate the anxiety I have from time to time so that he can be and do what he wants to do in the world. And those are his, you know, there's a point at which it's your child's choices. When your children are young, you have a great deal of uh, say over how they turn out. But when, you know, when they start to grow up, they need a lot of time to explore, to reflect, to imagine their future selves. And I think we don't give kids mm. any of that time that's needed to figure out who they are, um, what they are, what they're interested in. That's why I have the subtitle, Authentic Success, as different from the kind of success that comes when people are always telling you, you know, you're so smart, you're going to be a doctor just like your dad, you're going to go to the alma mater we all went to. And those kids end up being very good performers and um, not very good lifelong learners. Well, congratulations on uh, what you managed to do there with your uh, creative son in New York. And if he gets into a show, I'm going to hit you up for tickets, that's for sure. Here's a, here's a question for you before we go. It occurs to me that in your practice, you've had to tell a kid something that their parents didn't get around to telling them, and that is figure out who you are. Right. What was that like? And tell, tell me a story of a kid who an experience like that happened. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is this 
Uh, and it's a lovely family, absolutely lovely family. And the, the dad was kind of a hard-driving CEO type, and he had this very lovely, soft kid whose skill really was with other people. And anyway, so they they helped him get into a very prestigious school back east, Unbeknownst to them, he never took a single class there, and so he and I were on the phone about the fact that he was miserably unhappy, didn't want to be at that school, was much too competitive for him. Over a period of months, it's like, well, you better come back because your parents are spending an awful lot of money and you're really unhappy. And when he gets back and we start talking about what he really wants to do, which is something to do with people and not drive a corporation, and I'm very supportive. And, you know, is it hard to tell the parents that this kid is not going to be a CEO? It's, it's actually easier to tell the kids than it is to tell the parents. So the, um, kid, the kids have a switch you can turn on which says, know yourself, it's totally fine. The parents, right. they, they may not have one. You, you may have to open the hood to get to the get one. Huh? You know, look at kids at the end of a, a, a lacrosse game, you know, a bunch of 11-year-olds, right? And everybody goes out to pizza afterwards, and they just lost the game, right? They're all having the time of their lives. They're kidding around with each other, and they're having fun. And the parents are the ones who are hanging on to the blown call. And so a kid like I just described to you who becomes a physical therapist, yes, you can reach him because he's still got his own sense that things are not right for him. It's not authentic. It's not who he wants to be. His parents have had 18 years of being convinced that the kid was going to turn out a different way. You know, you've just articulated the precise reason why I always want to sit at the kid's table. Because <laughs> they have so much more fun. There you go. Madeline Levine, a psychologist and author of Teach Your Children Well, Parenting for Authentic Success and the Price of Privilege, How Parental Pressure and Material Advantage are Creating a Generation of Disconnected and Unhappy Kids. Thanks so much. Thank you, John. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts.